Wow, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for giving me such a platform to preach from. And uh, Pastor Wade, thank you for this invitation to come and preach again today at the point. I thank you for saving my life. I was almost dying from preacher withdrawals. And uh, this is the fourth Sunday, and I was not uh, going to preach. And uh, I was going through, I don't know how it is to go through withdrawals from cocaine or anything like that, but it can't be a whole lot worse than preaching if you're a preacher, you know. And, uh, but it, I thank you. What a gracious act of you. And um, especially uh, in light of the circumstances in his life uh, where he couldn't get off and um, to the mission trip until tomorrow. But I'm grateful uh, for this opportunity, again, to say uh, thank you for those uh, months that God gave us together. And then to see the process come about as you sought and prayed and God sent you his man to lead you. And uh, I am uh, delighted uh, uh, to have been observing that and experiencing that with you. Look forward to what is going to be happening here at the point in the days ahead. Be opening your Bible to Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to consider actually three verses of scripture. They constitute his prayer for the Colossians. As we're going to talk today about one of the highest privileges that we have as a father. By the way, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers that are here and all of you prospective fathers that are here uh, today. And if I can add myself in there, all the grandfathers and a few of us have attained the status of great-grandfather. I don't know if you're there or not, but uh, God bless you. One of the highest privileges we have as fathers is to pray for our families. Yes, yes, amen. Pray for our children, our spouse, our grandchildren. Now, having, having wished you a happy Father's Day, let me, let me get a little personal. What are you going to give your father today for Father's Day? I know it's none of my business, but, but I, I really have a purpose in mind. I want to make a suggestion. <laughs> I want to make a suggestion for a gift that you can give your fathers. And I almost guarantee that it will be a gift that they cherish and love for the rest of their lives. Now, we're going to get there in a few moments, but before we get to that point of my suggestion of what you need or can give to your fathers for Christmas, I, I want to talk a little bit to the fathers themselves and talk about what you can give to your children. And that basically is contained in this prayer from Paul because what you can give is this prayer. I don't know of a better prayer in the scripture anywhere for you to pray for your children than this one. And so let, let's just, with our Bibles open to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, would you stand with me? And I want us just to consider together the words that Paul is praying to this Colossian Christian. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And so from the day we heard, 
we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, Father, may the Spirit of God who inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words illuminate our hearts to understand them. We pray for the very thing Paul is praying for here this morning, spiritual understanding. Lord, open our eyes and help us to see, perceive, give us insight that the world could never give. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul Harvey defined a father this way. He said, fathers are what gives their daughters away to other men who aren't nearly good enough. So that they can have grandchildren who are smarter than anybody in the world. I think a small boy kind of captured it when he said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on their gift. Well, that's probably true too. My dad was a humble sharecropper, a public worker. He uh, was a privilege to, I think, finish the fifth grade and he was the oldest of 11 children. Didn't have a lot of opportunities, never had very much money, kind of robbed Peter to pay Paul, you know, all throughout his 69 years. But I honor him today. While he didn't give me much in a financial way, he didn't leave much that because he couldn't. He worked hard. He was a product of the Great Generation, as Tom Brokaw calls it, but he was also the product of the Great Depression. And that left some marks upon him, and he worked so hard with his hands to help his children have more than he had. I, I honor him today. My heart breaks from a statistic that I read just recently from my own city, the Memphis area. Do you know that in the Memphis area, there are sections in that area where 80% of the homes have no father in that city? Doesn't that break your heart? Doesn't that help to explain why we see so much happening in terms of crime and, 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 and things that are happening? There, there, there's such gaping father wounds in the city. It breaks my heart. I know it must break the heart of God. You know, as a father, and I'm so glad I've got my oldest son, Barry, here today, and his son, Brett, my grandson here. It's, just, it's a joy to have them. I'm so proud of them. But I look back on my, my 72 years, and especially those years where Rose and I were privileged to raise three children, and I, I probably could say that most of my failures as a father have been prayer failures. Um, in fact, most of my failures in ministry probably have been prayer failures. A.J. Gordon hit, it on the, hit the nail on the head when he said, you can do more than pray after you pray, but you can do no more than pray until you pray. I sometimes am haunted by the fact of what God could have done through me as a father and a pastor and a minister and a preacher if I had 
spent more time on my knees, if I had spent more time talking to him and less time talking to others. You know what I've learned? I've learned you can learn a lot about a person just by listening to them pray. You can learn their priorities. You can learn their theology. You can learn something of the nature and content of their faith. When I listen to a man pray, it's a window into his soul. I think sometimes I would love to have been there, fly on the wall, to hear Martin Luther pray that day he nailed those 96 theses which bared his heart and exposed the era of the church of his day and his heart was bleeding to see reformation. I would love to have heard him praying the content of those theses. I think about David Brainerd, I read his biography as a young preacher. It just shook my tree. Died at 29 years old. Engaged to marry Jonathan Edwards' daughter, Darusha. She was his nurse as he was dying of tuberculosis. And, and even though they never married, they were buried side by side. A young 29-year-old who would, who would, in the snow there in the northeastern part of our country, pray for the Indians. And they would stand and hide and watch as the blood would come out of his mouth as he prayed for them to come to know his Savior. Wouldn't you love to have heard that? Yes, yes. Or Billy Graham, the young evangelist who was considered to be an upstart by many, and he was preaching in Atlanta. One businessman decided he was going to reprimand the young evangelist, and so he went up to his hotel room to reprimand him for his, some of his methods, something he didn't like about Billy Graham. And when he got to his room, his door, the door was ajar, and he heard voices, and he put his ear up to the door, and he heard voices crying out to God, and he pushed the door open, and there was Billy Graham all by himself, stretched out on the floor, crying out to God for revival for the city of Atlanta. He just closed the door. Wouldn't you love to have heard that? I would love to have heard Richard Vinson, my dad, 62 years old, in the emergency room in Tupelo Hospital, his first heart attack. He would eventually die at 69 of a second one. But as a 62-year-old man laying on a gurney, Massive heart attack. The doctor said, don't even move. Don't take your clothes off. Don't move. And when the doctor turned his back, Richard Vinson got down off that gurney, got down on his knees in the emergency room at Tupelo Hospital and cried out to God. I never got to hear that as a son. I wish I could have heard those words. But I hear even better here. I'm eavesdropping on the Apostle Paul. I'm listening to Paul pray. I'm listening to him as he cries out from the day, Colossians, that we heard of what God's doing in your life. We have not ceased to pray for you and to pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and that you would have wisdom and that your character would reflect the Savior you claim to know. You see, those three skeletal bones are what this prayer is hung on. The will of God, the wisdom of God, and the character of God. 
And so I would suggest to you, fathers, that the greatest prayer we can pray for our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren revolve around those three things, the will of God, the wisdom of God, and the character of God. Notice, first of all, what he prays. He prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Do you see that? That they would be filled. Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, let me just put it very simply. He's praying that they would understand the will of God for their lives. Can you think of anything better for you to pray for your children? That they would know and understand what the will of God is for their life? Brother Wade, I, I, I preached a series of sermons one time on most asked questions in 40-something years, I remember when it was, of ministry. It was, it was an interesting, and I had people, uh, you know, I, and I, what I did, it was, it's somewhat anecdotal, and I'm no somewhat subjective, it relates to my ministry, but I preached a series of sermons on the, the most often asked questions of me during my ministry. You know what was number one? How may I know the will of God? How may I know the will of God. Hey, folks, that's pretty important, isn't it? Yes, I mean, after all, he's the one that created us. He's the one that put us here. And for us to miss why we are here on earth would be a tragedy. Mm -hmm. And Paul is praying for these Colossian believers. Do you know he's praying from a Roman prison and he's praying to pe for, for people he's never even met in Colossae? But he's passionate that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will. When I graduated from high school, right after the flood, <laughs> my uncle gave me a book by an ethicist who used to teach at Southwestern Seminary. He was a legend in those days, T.B. Matston. And the book was called The Will of God. The Will of God. Now, I'm a young 17, just turned 17-year-old senior in high school. God has just done an incredible work in my life. He saved me. He's, he, he's working. In, in the, I didn't understand the call, but he was calling me, and, and, and I knew something was going on. And he put that book in my hand, and, and it was like putting a stake in front of a, a, you know, a Baptist preacher. It's just, it's just amazing. <laughs> And, and in the flyleaf of that book, he had written these words. My, my uncle, who gave me the book, who later preached my ordination, wrote in the flyleaf of the book, to know and do the will of God will be your greatest accomplishment in life. Isn't that? Uh, is he, here's the opposite of that. To live life and miss God's will. You know, so I can't think of a better thing to pray. Now the, now, the will of God has more to do with character than it does with vocation. I'm not necessarily talking about that your kid, you know, that he, he, he do this or that vocation. That's important, and we need to pray. God lead them in the, but the will of God basically is character. What kind of person do you want them to be? So uh, let me just say, fathers, the, one of the best things you can do for your sons and daughters today on Father's Day is pray that they will understand and know the will of God. He uses the word filled. 
that they be filled with the will of God. That's, a, that's the same word Paul uses in Ephesians 5.18. It's the Greek word pleru. Uh, be not drunk with wine, we're in success, but be filled, plerud, with the Spirit. It's a word that's used like this. When they talk about somebody being filled with fear, it's the word pleru. Uh, it's a it's a qualitative word, not a quantitative word. He's not talking about being filled up to here, here, or here. He's talking about being controlled. Mm-hmm. And so when the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit, it, it, he's talking about being controlled by the Spirit. And when, when Paul talks about being filled with the will of God, it means being controlled by the will of God. It means the will of God is the dominant thing in your life. It is animating you. It is directing you. Like alcohol controls a person. When a person is, is, is controlled by alcohol, they act different, speak different. It becomes dominant in their life. Mm-hmm. And then he uses the word that you be filled with the knowledge of the will. And that word knowledge is epinosis, which means not just knowing about it, but experiencing it. That is walking in the truth of it. And so that's what we want to pray for our kids, that we might, they might know the will of God. And can I just throw this in anecdotally? Go ahead, go ahead. Thank you. (laughs) The number one thing is that they might know Christ. Amen. 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 That our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren would know Christ. Oh, to know Jesus. Not just know about him. Not gnosis, but epinosis. Knowing him experientially. Him being our Lord and our Savior. Oh, I can't think of a better prayer to pray for our children. That they would know him and love him. Would you bow your head with me just for, just for a moment? This is just a moment right now. This is, the sermon's not through. Don't get excited. <laughs> Would you pray right now? Pray for your sons. Pray for your daughters. Pray for your grandchildren, fathers, that they would know Jesus. Not just know about him, but they would know him. Moms, join in on this. You're, you're with us here today. I'm, I'm speaking directly to fathers, but I'm speaking to all of us. Pray for your daughters that they'll know Jesus and love him. That they would not only know him, but they would understand why God put them on this planet. They would understand the will of God. Father, hear our prayer. Hear our cries right now for our children. In Jesus' name. All right, let's go to point number two. Now, when our, when our kids and our, our, kid, our grandkids, when they understand what the will of God is, then they need wisdom to implement it, right? right. They, they, need to, they need God's wisdom. And so here's the second part of the prayer. He prays secondly that they would not only understand the will of God, but that they would comprehend the will of God. See verse 9? That you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, that word wisdom, James chapter 1 says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, 
that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. So what, what, is, what is wisdom? Now let me give you this definition of wisdom. It is a clear analysis and decision making in applying this knowledge to various problems. In other words, wisdom is taking the knowledge we have of the will of God and knowing what's the best way to implement it. There may be several ways to get from point A to point B, but God's wisdom says this is the best way. It may not always be the shortest way. It may not always be the least expensive way, but it will always in the long run be the best way to get from point A to point B. And, and you know what I found in my Christian life, yeah, throughout my Christian life, usually when I try to take shortcuts, I end up getting hurt because of it. When I try to take shortcuts, whether it's in, 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 in any area of life, in disciplines, in, in growing as a Christian, in, in, in those things that God puts in our path, when I try to get out from under it, you know, and finagle around it, Ron Don used to say, you never fail one of God's tests, you just keep taking it till you pass it. And so we just keep taking it over and over again, and we're just prolonging what God is trying to do in our life. God's wisdom is so important. Listen to what Packer says wisdom is. I think we got this on the screen. J.I. Packer says that wisdom is, quote, the, the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. It's, it's God's insight. I heard about a, a, a tourist in a national museum and and as the guide was showing all these masterpieces, the tourist had kind of snide remarks to make about everything and, and, and was saying, yeah, I, I don't see anything important about that. I don't see anything so grand about that. And finally, one of the other tourists got a little tired of it and said to her, or him, I don't know which one it was, but don't you wish you could? I don't see anything in that. But don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you could see what's really there? Don't you wish you could look beyond the surface and get down into reality? That's wisdom. I heard about an elderly man who chopped his own wood, but he, he, he was getting older and and it was, light, it was taxing him, you know, chopping all that wood. So his son decided for Father's Day he'd give him, uh, uh, he'd give him a, 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 a power saw. And so he gave him a power saw. And uh, so several weeks later, he was talking to his dad, and his dad said, son, he said, man, I am so tired. He said, that new saw you give me is wearing me out. And he said, well, Pop, there's something wrong. That ought to be helping you. I mean, let me see what's wrong with it. And he went over there to his father's house and he pulled that gas engine and it started. And the father said, what's that sound? <laughs> For weeks he had been taking that power saw. <laughs> the will of God is the saw. The wisdom of God is how to use it. Pray that our children will not only understand the will of God, they'll comprehend and do the will of God. Last point, number three. 
Now, I still hadn't told you what's the best gift to give your dad. You know? That's going to be at the end. I'm talking to dads right now. Here's point number three. Point number three is this. He prayed that they would reflect the character of God. That they would reflect the character of God. Look, look at verse 10. Now, so that. See, that, that's a purpose statement. He's praying it so that. What, what, what is the purpose of this prayer? What's the end result? What does he want to see happen as a result of this prayer? So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. Who? Not me as his dad. Not the world, but to please God. Dr. Rogers used to say, if you please God... It really doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease God, it really doesn't matter who you please. And so what's, what better can we teach our children than to live their life to please God? That God would be pleased. That God would be pleased. And, and so that's the third thing, fathers, that's the third thing that I would say to you is one of the highest privileges we have is to pray that our children would walk. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an incredibly important word, that word walk in Colossians 1. Because he, he, he follows it up in Colossians 2, 6. And he says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so what, church? Walk you in him. You see, walk is a picture of the Christian life. It's a picture of progress and growth in character. So uh, one of the things that we, we need to do is to pray that our children will walk in such a way that their faith will be demonstrated and validated. For James chapter 2 verse 14 says, uh, show me your faith uh, without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You see, it is our works that demonstrates the reality and authenticity of our faith. We love to quote Titus 3, 5, uh, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. But we fail to quote the very next verse, verse 8, where it's, it's, he says that it's God's will that we demonstrate our faith by our life, by our works. Or we love to quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the Baptist preamble. We love that. But oftentimes we leave out verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Now, those verses are not saying we're saved by works, but it's simply saying we're saved by a faith that does work. We're saved by faith alone, absolutely. Amen, hallelujah, glory to God. We're saved by faith alone, but we're not saved by a faith that is alone. Right. It is a faith that is animated. And so what we need to pray for our children is that faith will get out of here and get out of here. Yes, yes. That faith will animate, it will be real, it will be life-changing. The man did right. The light turned yellow. And he stopped. Just kind of suddenly stopped. But he, he did right. He didn't run the yellow light. But the woman right behind him wasn't happy. She was putting on her makeup. 
and had her cell phone in her hand, and she dropped her cell phone, messed her makeup up, and she came out with a blue streak. A few Hollywood Heidi's, if you remember the old Hollywood movie, a few gestures, and just giving the man in front of, when all of a sudden, she looked up and there was a policeman. Got out of the car, handcuffed her, and took her down to the station. Locked her in a holding cell for several hours. Finally, he came and got her. And I want you to hear what the policeman said. I, he can say it so much better than I can. He said to her, I'm very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, flipping off the guy in front of you and cursing a blue streak at him. I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker on your car. The choose life license plate holder. The follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker. And the chrome plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally I assumed that you had stolen the car. Any reason to come to that conclusion? Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which art in heaven. One of the best things we can pray for our sons and daughters is that their faith would be reflected in their character. Amen. Well, having said that, now we come to the point of the sermon. It won't take but just a second. All this other was preparation. But you know, the question is, what's the best thing I can give my dad on this Father's Day? Well, all I've just said being true, then this is the thing I would encourage and challenge you to give to your father today. Number one, a heart that desires above all things to please God and do his will. Can you think of anything that would make a father happier than that? That his sons and daughters and children have a desire above all things to please God and do his will. Number two, not only a heart that desires to do his will, but number two, an attitude that seeks the wisdom of God. And by that I mean you seek to do God's will, God's way, in God's strength. Wisdom, that you want to do God's will, God's way. That you say, I don't want shortcuts. I want to do it. God's way. I can't think of anything that please the heart of a dad or a granddad 
our great granddad more than that. Number three, and I'm through. Number three, not only a heart desires the will of God, an attitude that seeks to do God's will God's way, but number three, a determination for your life to reflect God's character so that others will be able to recognize that you are a genuine believer by the gospel light that your life puts out. I can tell you, I can't think of a better Father's Day gift. Is it those little intangible things that mean the most? My son's here. I'll close with this. I hadn't intended to say it, but I, I want to say it just to tell him. I'm going to tell him in front of you. I remember a lot of things about my children growing up, but there are some things that stand out. You know the amazing thing? I used to follow my son all over watching him play ball. I was proud of him. He was a wonderful athlete. A lot of things like that that I was proud of. But you know the thing that I remember the most is not a point he scored, not any of that. I can remember walking along the beach when he was about six years old. Just walking. And he walked up by me. He probably don't even remember this. But he walked up by me. He took me by the hand. And this wasn't something he did often. But he looked up at me and he said, Daddy, I love you. That's been, how old are you, Barry? <laughs> That's been 46 years ago. He said a lot of things in 46 years. But those four words, I'll never forget. Daddy, I love you.